0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the ninth chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, and can be found on page 1567 of your Pew Bible, 1567. Mark 9, verses 2 through 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so very frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. It said, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except for Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The uh, count today of the transfiguration of our Lord serves to bring an end to, to the Epiphany season. And it does a really good job at it. And it prepares us for the season of Lent. The season of Epiphany, as you know, is a, a time of revelation of Jesus to the world. That is, the season is one <laughs> that I would say, ta-da! Here's Jesus. And as I was preparing, I was thinking every Sunday is an Epiphany Sunday. Every word that comes from my mouth must proclaim the Epiphany of who Christ is. Amen? So it's just a good reminder. Then, now, the season of Lent is a time of repentance. It's a time that we prepare and consider the events that surrounded the suffering, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The transfiguration is an absolutely remarkable epiphany of both God the Son and God the Father. And at the same time, The transfiguration points forward to the salvation that Jesus will earn for all of us on the cross. Christ in him crucified. We know, having just read that, that the Lord invited Peter, and James and John to a secluded place high up on a mountain. And when they arrived, Jesus changed his appearance. We know that because his clothing became radiant, intensely white. And even in our uh, reading this morning, it said, as no one on earth could bleach them, they were that white. And then we read that Moses and Elijah, they appear. Now, neither Mark nor any other evangelist tell us exactly why did Moses and Elijah show up. Don't tell us. In fact. Yesterday we were talking about that in our men's Bible study. You know, and and the best we can do is perhaps, and and I think you're pretty close. You know, the uh, really, um, perhaps it was because Moses and Elijah were such powerful figures in the Old Testament. Perhaps the first century Christians didn't need an explanation and somehow between then and now we kind of wonder what's the significance and that's okay we read that by the time that Moses and Elijah show up Peter is in shock and awe And one of the characteristics and symptoms, I guess you could say, of Peter in he's in his shock and awe state, is that he usually manages to put his foot in his mouth to say something kinda Peter like, right? To do something kind of Peter-like. And my name's not Peter, but I am very Peter-like. How about you? Yeah, I'm hearing amen to that, Pastor. <laughs> Which one? Are you like him or are you saying I'm like him? So he puts his foot in his mouth. But this time, um, <coughs> he really demonstrates that I, he doesn't get it. He does not understand what is happening before his eyes. And Peter said this. He said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And then later on, when Peter told the story to Mark, he himself admitted, we know that, because he admitted he didn't know what he was saying. And that's why Mark wrote this, Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. The first problem is this, is that Peter wanted to make three tents. Why is that a problem? Well, he was basically saying that Jesus and Moses and Elijah were equals. Now, we have and and we should have uh, a great deal of respect for the persons of Moses and Elijah. And the work that God did through these men. But they are not God. Only Jesus is God. And as great as Mo I almost okay. As, as, <laughs> as great as Moses was and as great as Elijah was, they were still sinners. And Jesus, we know, is sinless. And even though Moses and Elijah are very important, just like John the Baptist when he proclaimed that he's not worthy and nor are they to untie Jesus' sandals. It's important for them and important for us to answer the question, who do you think you are compared to God? Now one also gets the impression that Peter was thinking in terms of staying on that mountain forever. What a mountaintop experience. Why would you want to leave? Think of the company that you're keeping. And Jesus had already begun in Mark 8 verse 31 to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and he revealed to them, after three days, he would rise again. So we notice again that the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. It made way more sense to Peter to stay up on the mountain with Moses and Elijah and in his ignorance, Peter is still trying to deny the cross for Jesus. We are like Peter. and We often look to the demonstration of Christ's power as the greatest expression of his glory. We get kind of taken in and overwhelmed by the wow factor of the miracles and of his radiance on the mountain of transfiguration. We rightfully do praise him for healing the sick and driving out demons and raising from the dead and so forth. But as wonderfully mysterious as these historical accounts were then and are now, these really are not the ultimate expression of his glory. If if Jesus were only a miracle worker and a bright light on a mountain, we would all be in a big heap of trouble. The presence of God in all of his power is is a terrifying thing. The first thing God's presence does is make us aware of our utter depravity in his presence. That's what I mean by the question, who do we think we are compared to God? And who are we? We are sinners and we deserve the punishment of his wrath. His power demonstrates that there is nothing we can do to stop that punishment from crushing us. If all we have is God in his power, then we are truly doomed. However, the greatest glory of God is not It is not in his power, it is in the weakness of the cross. We better explain that, and I will. The transfiguration points us to the cross. In fact, it is the goal of all the epiphanies of Jesus to point us to the glory found on the cross, It doesn't mean a whole lot when an ordinary man dies on a cross, right? I mean, they were crucifying people all the time. Did you know that one of the Caesars, and it's not just one of them, it was Julius before he became the emperor, he got kidnapped by pirates. And upon him being released... They, they, they crucified them. And it's kind of a funny story that, uh, well, it's funny, kind of ha-ha and strange to me. When he got kidnapped, they sent to ransom him. And they told him that they were going to ransom him for, I think it was 20 denarii, I believe, it's of silver, right? And the, and the, the exchange rate from then to now would be like $600,000 dollars. And Caesar, this Caesar, laughed at his captives, or captors. He laughed at him. He goes, you're not asking enough. You need to ask for 50. And they looked at him, and they did. And it took a little while to assemble that money, but they did get it, and he was released. He went back, and he amassed through his own money uh, a group of people, and they went and they captured him, and they were going to crucify him. And the pirates begged, they're like, hey, didn't we have a good time? (laughs) I mean, you know, come on, man, we let you go. And he agreed with them, and so all he did was uh, he slit their throat. And then he crucified him, because he was a man of his word. So crucifixion of just a man means very little. Now the epiphanies of Jesus Christ tell us that this was no ordinary man. This is a man who has the authority to command the waves and the wind. This is a man who has the authority to heal diseases to cast out demons, to raise the dead. The epiphanies of Jesus Christ teach us that he is not only man, but he is God. The epiphany season teaches us that when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they were not just nailing a man to the cross, they were also nailing God. To the cross. And so when Jesus suffered on the cross, both man and God suffered. When Jesus died on the cross, both God and man died. And when God and man died in the person of Jesus Christ, we were set free. We were set free from the punishment, from the shame, the guilt of all of our sin. We were set free. We were set free because that death Jesus made, in that death, he made us his brothers and his sisters. He made us children of the heavenly father. He restored our relationship with God. The season of Epiphany helps us to see that the true glory of God, the true glory of God is on the cross. Peter and James and John did not understand this until... They saw it with their own eyes. And that is one of the reasons that Peter put his foot in his mouth so often he didn't understand. Now while Peter Peter was busy talking, we read that God the Father revealed himself as well when he said, or uh, when we read that a cloud overshadowed them, overshadowed them and a, a voice came out of the cloud and it said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. God the Father identified Jesus as God the Son. Then he told the disciples to listen to him. For all the words in the law of Moses and all the words of the prophets ultimately have their source in Jesus Christ, who is the word of God in the flesh. The word became incarnate. And when he says he is going to Jerusalem to suffer and die, listen to him. And when he says that he will rise on the third day, Listen to him. And when he says that he does this all for you, listen to him. Peter, James, and John, they still didn't get it. When they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. And Jesus had to silence them because they did not understand. The day would come when they would understand, and that day would come after they saw the soldiers arrest Jesus and lead him away. And that day would come after they ran away And abandoned him. And that day when they would understand would come after they knew that he was dead. And that day would come when they were locked behind closed doors because they thought that they were next on the to do list of the Jewish authorities. That day would come. In fact, that day came when they understood as Jesus stood in the middle of his little band of terrified followers and he announced this, peace be with you. And when Jesus showed them that he was back from the dead, then they began to understand Jesus had conquered sin. He had conquered death, and he had conquered the power of the, de- the devil. He had earned forgiveness, life, and salvation for all people. His resurrection meant that all the promises that he made would come true. The season of Epiphany is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. That revelation teaches us that Jesus is both God and man, and Epiphany prepares us for the glory of the cross. And the cross is the place where the God-man, where Christ Jesus fought for us, and won the victory. And that victory gives us all true life forever with him. In the name of Jesus, amen.